Anyway, authenticity. <laughs> right. I'm good to start. You good to start? Okay. Uh, T.O. and Wagwan, YouTube and iTunes and Podheads alike, you're tuned in to Frivolous Gravitas. So thanks for joining us. I'm Christopher Driver, your co-host, and with me as always is the master of archives, Captain Jordan Roy. Yeah, I'm not going to do that Jamaican accent. I'll get <laughs> thrown in prison for just bad impressions. What a damn wabwa. <laughs> exactly. So today, today we're going to be talking about authenticity and we're going to start off with the, um, what do you call that? The, uh, the authentic version of authenticity. We'll talk about tangible objects and their origins and, you know, we'll get into the, uh, the, the more flowery esoteric kind of um, abstractions afterwards. But yeah. to start us off, we have no better expert than Jordan here to help guide us into ideas and thoughts on the importance and usefulness and practicality and all that kind of good stuff of keeping good records and the importance of maintaining good records and obviously indexing them so they can be found and looked up and stuff later. So that is generally in a nutshell what my um, smooth brain considers an archive, but uh, perhaps Jordan can elucidate a bit further. Yeah, my brain is so so ridged that it became smooth. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, it is authenticity and archives really go hand in hand because um, when you're dealing with a record, what really makes a record? Now, let's take an example here that I don't have to hold up in front of you, which is this, which I put up recently, mostly to brighten the room, but also as a you know tradition. This is my degree. Minana. <laughs> I don't speak Jamaican, <laughs> but um, is this can be seen as an uh, a record? So you know anything that any piece of information it can be discrete piece of information. So you can't have like one line be one record and one line be another. Well, you could, but let's not get into that. This is one discrete record, and it says something specific. Now. The authenticity question comes up in archives when in kind of two ways. The first way is um, really the more practical way. And the other way is it, with regards to um, whether or not a thing is a thing. So these two things, it's kind of one thing, but I'm going to separate them. Now, how do I know that's the first thing I say is like, how do I know this is the real? Th so I guess it comes down to these two questions. I'm sorry. How do I know this is the real thing? And how do I know it is? It says what it's supposed to be saying. So it could say like um, the first way. Uh, I'll just the practical way I get out of is it does it say actually what it's supposed to say? And if it doesn't, it's not authentic because you know a Shakespeare play would say um, would have it done in a certain way or would have it um, written in a certain way. An authentic Shakespeare play would be written in English. Uh, that kind of thing. But um, the other aspect of it is kind of the um, less obvious content, which would be you know, the paper of it, the stickers, the shiny stickers that they put on um, <clears throat> copy other institutions that 
probably originally did it. Uh, but where are the boundaries to it? Like, where do you say this is part of the pencil? This isn't part of the pencil. Like if the eraser is missing, is it still an authentic pencil because it's just a, an, a pencil missing an eraser? Like, yeah. So let's just throw Play-Doh in the toilet here and say that any aspect of pencilness, um, that, uh, essentialism is, uh, because essentialism is kind of bunk. Um, you know, what makes a pencil a pencil? It's representative of what an ideal pencil. It's like, no. And obviously there isn't an ideal pencil. Like anybody who refutes that is not paying attention to the argument itself. Of course, there's no ideal chair or pencil or, you know, race car or something. Um, what makes it authentically a pencil or a diploma or something are, yes, the things that define it as such. You know, um, a pencil has lead. A pencil is able to be used as a pencil. That or it displays characteristics of a pencil, i.e. like inflatable pencils or something, those giant inflatable ones. You recognize it's a pencil, but you also recognize it's authentically a kind of a joke pencil. Um, but I'm more thinking of that specific pencil, which is more related to archives where we're starting out with, right? Like with yeah. archives, you're looking for saying like, this is this pencil. It's not another pencil and it's not a like pencil. It is that pencil, right? Yeah. So if I, yeah. So this pencil is this pencil and let's, we can start with that. That's actually exactly where we're going to start. A equals a, um, we have a thing and this thing is this thing we can say, because you know, uh, we can take it metaphysically saying it was created. Uh, the metaphysics of the pencil are probably actually the factory. Um, but the, <laughs> um, but this thing is this thing now, this thing is this thing. Oh no, it's not because that's actually this thing. Now that thing is like that thing, but we have thing two. Uh, duh, Jordan, thanks. You just proved that a thing is a thing. Okay, but then the old thing is if I shave it off, is it the thing still? Yes, but it's less. Thing minus parts of thing. And then if I take this off and put, I take this part off and then put a different thing on, then uh, you have thing plus thing from other thing. And then, but the thing is, she's going to stop using that word, that it's still that discrete object. And it still does the thing that makes it the thing. So it still writes and it still erases unless this dries out. Um, and I think the fact that it doesn't make it um, what do I say this? It, it doesn't change it, but authenticity isn't the authentic. Is it, how do I say this? You don't have static authenticity is kind of what I'm trying to say here. Even everything will degrade. Everything will, you know, have entropy uh, associating with it. So it'll gravitate towards, um, you know, falling apart. Uh, and even with a document in the archives. So in the archives, you have um, a paper and you try and maintain that authenticity. And then that, that aspect that says this is the thing, but with archives and that thing in that, that piece of paper in a box, in a vault, in the climate controlled room, uh, is, it is the thing it is, but how do you know? So then authenticity has to be vouched for, because you can't just say, this is the, 
you know, uh, Declaration of Independence. You know, give me like, how do I know that? How do I know your this is the authentic Declaration of Independence? Like, what makes it authentically the Declaration of Independence? Well, the thing that makes it direct authentically that is the history, is the 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 the, the ability to prove that it was actually there. It was. This, this group of atoms took part in that signing ceremony in 1776, and therefore it maintains authenticity as the Declaration of Independence. And so, well, how do you prove this? Well, you can prove it through science, you know, you can look at it, you can do um, handwriting analysis, all that, blah, blah, blah. Say, so, yeah, these are, this, like, all these signatures are authentic, blah, blah, blah. And then you get, like, a material analyst guy says, yeah, this paper was made in the 1770s. Uh, and then you get, you know, I don't know, spectrographic, you can look at the fading. Yeah, this is done 200 and something years of fading. Uh, so this is it. Um, and so you can do that. The other way to do it is to maintain a unbroken line of uh, documentation. And this is kind of like, yeah, I saw it. It didn't move for like 200 years. And as archivists, often what we do is just like, yeah, I looked at the thing. It's still there. It's still in good condition. Signed off, Jordan Roy. Oftentimes we do this when we change descriptions because the metadata around something will often change, whereas the thing won't change. Uh, this happens a lot when um, you get people practicing uh, like woke politics around things saying like, oh, uh, there's well, problematic language in the description, so we have to completely change what it is, which is interesting because when you change the description of something, and this is something that archivists like will always just sit down and be like, whoa, that's deep. Um, <laughs> what does it mean when you change the description of something? Because that's what they're interacting with mostly. And it is because people don't interact with the thing in itself. They interact with the description of the thing most often. And which is very, which is quite interesting because you'll like, you'll read a bunch of descriptions of things and choose the one to actually bring to you. And even then, you'll probably rely on the description a lot. Um, and even then but, you're almost like creating another record of because when every time somebody interprets it they're adding to a, a layer of that piece's history right like they're adding another line into that ledger of ownership perception to ownership yeah and this there's a lot of talk about this in archival theory circles where like does interaction change the record um yes and no something like a youtube video if you guys are interacting watching it it changes it because something viewed a hundred times is different than something viewed uh, 50,000 times uh, or something that gets like likes or how many comments and what kind of comments uh, because the comments are not just metadata, they're part of the thing, uh, they're part of the medium that we're engaging in here. But um, that's a neat way of putting it though, because I would consider it more like metadata. It's like con oh. like the original content doesn't change, but like the surrounding encapsulation and categorization and all that changes. But right. on the same token, without the video, there would be no comments. So it is kind of part of the same thing. Like yeah, it's really... that's exactly what I'm getting at, actually. Like exactly, mm -hmm. it is metadata, but the metadata is part of a file. Um, and so when you access something and you have a record of it, metadata is great for that. The problem with digital files, the upside of digital files is that you can have almost a perfect record of what's going on. The downside is that CDs only last for like 10 years. <laughs> so, um, and then they just start to degrade and bits start flipping and it's just messy. 
So authenticity. The optics are bad. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and uh, so a record is the 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 reason the archives archivists also worry about this often is because like what happens if someone comes in um you know you get a racist archivist or someone who doesn't like this is kind of why you kind of have to be impartial as an archivist you know it's like why aren't you putting up your fist for Black Lives Matter it's like because I can't be partisan when I'm an art when I'm in art when my archivist hat is on I have to sit here and be like I will archive the any all political parties of Canada equally because that's my job then you know I'll walk out take off my archivist hat and be like man my MP's just pissing me off right now <laughs> and that's okay as long as you separate that well you can't separate it says the postmodernist well the postmodernist is always also an idiot so whatever the whole point of postmodernism is to try and and inflict or impose that type of um anti-prejudice right like well, there, there would be no thing there would be no point of thinking about prejudice and bias if there was no way of changing it or mitigating it or minimizing it. right so it's not now, like it's completely useless even though it's impossible it's still a worthwhile effort right so excuse me i'm sorry but the the idea of postmodernism is that you're skeptical of all narratives to some extent which means like all institutions all this and that and so you're you are putting it under a microscope which did help uh, which did do a few good things but a lot of it is like well why are you even keeping records you know this is the and then it becomes just a it just becomes a um exercise in uh, uh, i call that faux modernism yeah so it's not, it's not within the spirit of postmodernism. part of, part of what of we like need to questioning, do the whole point of questioning and being skeptical of institutions is not to not participate in them it's right. to make them better that's post postmodernism. Yeah, <laughs> that's we we actually have we should move past postmodernism as a thing, and because it's not the end of history. But anyway, the the thing is is that if you if you're engaging with it, you are changing it to some extent. Yes, but in a more literal extent, the problem is that you get somebody coming in and just writing on the record, and the interesting part of that is that now becomes part of the record. Uh, because they literally wrote on it. But if you actually change what it says, you can change how people interpret history. This is the power of an archivist. I can just take your records and burn them, and you didn't exist uh, if I have the right access codes. And See, it's, the Catholic Church's history. Well, the Catholic Church is actually, and this is to their credit, um, a lot of their atrocities, especially in Alberta here, are very well documented. Um, Oh, I meant before when they were burning books and stuff and how they oh, locked battle. people out of the Vatican library and all that. Well, it is their library. They do have that right. But um, they kind of stole other people's. Anyway, we're not even going to get into that. No. <laughs> now, a lot of the Vatican records are like that is their prerogative to keep their records and not let anyone see them. But they do keep meticulous records. Um, but the, uh, the thing is, is if you the authenticity of it is important to an archivist because the thing needs to be able to still say the thing that it needs to say when you come out of it you can't have you you can have a reproduction you can have this and you need it to have the content ready for when somebody wants to do it as it was when you got it now this changes what happens when you digitize a record this happens a lot and they just get rid of the record paper records take up a lot of space 
and are very expensive to maintain because you need like a warehouse the size of just you know one of elon musk's factories and times three just a for like, yeah just for like a province uh, or a um a like the country's archives like I've, I've been in our country's stacks they are huge and they are insufficient they're absolutely insufficient do we it's run like, the risk of like overwhelming ourselves with hoarding all of this historical data though or yes and no um we're already overwhelmed with uh, historical data like the archives aren't getting funded enough to keep up with the amount we're creating anything and we're technologically behind because of it too and if we keep doing it's only going to keep amassing especially right. as civilizations grow so it seems like something that will eventually have to end um what is being done is the archivists most of the archivist job isn't actually keeping stuff it's destroying stuff um there's a lot of records you make that are they're authentic but they don't mean anything you know you doodle on a piece of paper and it's like well what does he mean by that doodle it's like he probably didn't even know he said it i've um and but it, if that person wound up being picasso you'd be like oh i threw out the doodle yeah and a lot of picasso's paintings were thrown out by was it his sister no it was the wife of his friend i don't remember her name but she I thought it was like up, an in-law or something no she saved a bunch of it i think yeah no it was an in-law and sorry, I taught that class like a year ago. So I'm just oh, I have no through. idea. I just fleeting comment. Yeah, and so, but like a lot of what you see is just like it's empty page, empty page, letterhead, empty page, empty page, empty page. <laughs> and so you just end up throwing out boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff, and then you have this nice neat, like uh, this nice neat set of boxes at the end that tell as much of the story as possible. You got rid of all the junk, you got rid of the confetti, you got rid of the bottle caps and all the stuff that'll rust the paper and all. Like, it's a lot of work. And a lot of it is actually destruction. But you have to be smart enough to know, if I get rid of this, will this impact the history of the object? If I keep this, like, will this I'm actually... Like how likely is it? Yeah. you never really know, right? You never really know. So you have to use, like, a historian's judgment. And it's the studies. Hence the studies. You can't just go in and be like, I'm an archivist. It's like, it's a lot of, because you, you hold a paper and then you have that, what we call archival dread. And it's just like, because <laughs> I'm going to erase this from history right now. It's just a receipt. Whatever. It's like the opposite of buyer's remorse, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, their people have screwed up and there's documentation of like, even like Canadian archivists, like they sit around telling you, remember that time that this guy destroyed the original copy of this wooden idiot. <laughs> I'll talk about that. But it, with regards to authenticity, we have this thing where if you digitize a paper record and especially something like, um, cellulite, 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 cellulite <clears throat> old film, <laughs> cellulose film, um, and I've been to the cellulose, the, the old film archives in Ottawa, and it's on a base. It's on like an army base. That's a cadet base now, but, um, and it's in a field that's empty. And it is this solid bunker looking thing. It looks like a fallout shelter because it pretty much is. The building's kept at minus 18 degrees Celsius in certain areas. Mm, and only in Canada. Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't need jackets. Um, <laughs> and we go in and there each each reel has its own shelf which is metal so that when um 
if one ever actually explodes, it'll explode out and there's like blast doors everywhere because this stuff is explosive. See the, you've seen the movie Inglorious Bastards where at the end she takes all the, the reel to reel film and puts a pile of it on the ground and then just throws a match in. Um, the movie actually made it so that that burns slower than it actually would have for effect. It would have gone and the entire theater would have gone up. Cellulite film was uh, cellulose <laughs> was um, quite it's flammable. It's it, it's things. So this is a dangerous thing. It takes a lot of taxpayer money to keep these records. Now we want these records. These films are part of Canadian history and like a lot of and they're not just like presidential speeches and stuff like that. This is like there's a lot of our material and entertainment culture um, that we kind of take for granted is just in there. And it's neat too, because those films, like you'll see them on 60 frames per second and remastered and everything like the, (laughs) the picture quality, even on those original old silver screen films is just, it's 4k almost like, it's really amazing. And if we didn't keep them all this time until the technology evolved, that we got TVs that could render that type of resolution, we would have lost those, uh, those movies in high definition, basically. Well, what's it? You get someone like, um, the best example of someone using stuff like this is, um, the movie, they shall never grow old, they shall not grow old by, uh, Peter Jackson, the guy who did the Lord of the Rings series. And he detailed world war one history by updating and colorizing it's uncanny if you haven't seen it go watch it it's hard to watch because people's faces come alive and he updated all of this um archival footage um from world war one and it looks like it's taken on a video cassette from like the 70s or 80s now you know proper movement proper colors uh some of it's a bit uh, uncanny but it's you know before you're seeing like guys move around all twitchy and then all of a sudden they're moving normally and you're like oh boy that was like 105 years ago and like i'm seeing it as if like i could shake this guy's hand and it's absolutely uncanny and that's what we wanted that's why we keep this stuff so people can do interesting stuff like that and bring history alive like that and but to me though what's really interesting about that just a quick comment yeah yeah is that we didn't know at the time that we would have developed ai technologies to fill in the frames between frames to make a 60 frame per second movie out of in high yeah. definition you know it you know, 2000 pixels, like they didn't Mm -hmm. even know what pixels were back then. But thanks to the archivist, we were able to do that. And that's why we keep the stuff because we don't know what use like we are fully aware. It's like, well, why would anyone want to keep this? It's like, we have no idea. We ask ourselves, is this going to be historically relevant? Is there any way that this data could be used to benefit or to understand this more? And it's like, this is a Christmas card and with no writing on it. No, I'm getting rid of it. Christmas card with a ton of writing on it saying, dear honey, you know, we had such a great time, blah, 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 blah. This has great insight into an artist's, you know, yeah, family signed life. Vivaldi. <laughs> yeah, signed Vivaldi. No, but there was a stack of Christmas cards from the Agony Thadik fonts that I was working with. And the ones that had a lot of writing in it, or even some like just anything in it, I would keep. But there was a lot of them that were just like, happy birthday, signed. I have no idea. It's like or letters signed, from no. your grandmother. You yeah. Keep the ones that have like long writing in it, but you kind of just throw out the ones that just yeah. say hi. But <laughs> like if I have six letters from grandma, all of them with the same like pie recipe in them, I'm only going to keep one. Uh, mm. And I'm going to keep the best one. I'm going to keep the one that can maintain authenticity for longest. But back to the, the films, what happens is we digitize those films. We run them through the thing one last time. And then unless it's like super important, 
like um, a lot of archival stuff also uh, maintains authority for certain aspects of our society. Well, why do we do this? Because this happened. Well, how do we know what happened? Here's the record. Um, and the record acts as kind of a pivot poster for some, for certain aspects of our society. Uh, so like, that's why we keep the original signed charter around because it has authority. Um, and that's kind of a metaphysical way of looking at it, but it does serve a purpose. It's a good example of metaphysics in reality. But you take this film, and I'm sorry I'm laboring this, I'm not getting to the point, and we digitize it. I keep now, interrupting you, that's why. <laughs> I keep interrupting myself. We did it again. And so we, we um, now have two records. You have the digital record, which is a as lossless as possible um, representation of what was on that reel. And then you have the original. Now the original is dangerous because it could explode. Um, it starts smelling like vinegar, which means it's degrading. Um, vinegar smell, you open up a can of like this old film and you just like, Poof! it's old film stinks. And hey, you'll get up from a guy who loves his vinegar. <laughs> oh, I love my, yeah. Yeah, I do love my vinegars. And so like you open it up and there's just waft of vinegar smell. And sometimes, you know, it depends on how much it is and it'll just smell like uh, rot. And you'll you'll get it and you're like, this needs to be, we're going to lose this. We're going to lose it soon. Um, and so we need to get it on the thing. We, this thing's losing its authenticity. It's becoming not a, a thing. It's becoming a pile of rot. It's becoming just an example of uh, old reel-to-reel film, which is a stain bad. of a thing. Because we want the content. <clears throat> but Jordan, you say the medium is a message. Shut up, go away. But um, Content is medium. <laughs> yeah. So you want the content. So you move the content over. Now the content shows you exactly what you would have seen on the reel to reel. But now it's more accessible. Digital video is easier. All of a sudden you press, you know, you click on the file, you press control C, and then you click on control V 300 times. Now you've backed it up 300 times. It's that easy. That's why it's so easy. It probably took hours for them to get it to digital form to back it up uh, digitally. Now you have not only the reel-to-reel, the copy that you've made, you can probably make lossless, lossy copies of it, which means, you know, um, compressed. it has less, compressed. It's got less data in it. It's easier to move around. You don't, like one, it's a couple megabytes instead of 17 gigabytes. Um, and because videos have a lot of data in them. So which is the authentic piece? Well, the authentic thing is someone actually standing there seeing it happen. That's as authentic as it gets for an action. So we have a thing. The record in itself is authentic as the record, but then we changed it and made copies of it in the digital form. So the question remains, is the record itself authentic as that content and that gets into like odysseus's ship or whatever <laughs> yeah uh was it his ship i think it was oh. yeah it was his ship i can't remember if it was odysseus or whatever but because it's the, also the like ship a... that has a plank removed and a plank removed and after yeah. a thousand planks is it still the same ship or whatever but... yeah now literally yeah it is of course it is odysseus's ship odysseus is this your ship yeah it's my ship there it's authentically his ship that's a very cursory level if you're if you're only caring about that but if you want like how did they build it because 
you know, sometimes if you say, okay, this is Odysseus' ship, but then they change in Greece shipbuilding techniques. And all of a sudden, they use a different technique at building the ship when they, you know, add a couple new planks. Or now if you're looking for a type of wood, right, and they change the type of wood they use after they start replacing planks, you say, oh, this ship's full of that type of wood. And then yeah. you go to that ship and there's none left. Like, right, which can lead to errors. I didn't know there was this these, this type of tree that grew in Greece at this yeah. time. Very interesting. It's <laughs> and like, then they no. write that in the record. And yeah. And so, you know, then you, which is, you know, that's inauthentic. Uh, it's not inauthentic, but it can create problems. So you have to not be aware because the thing is authentic in itself. And you can't get away from the fact that the thing is the thing. You have to realize that it's not authentically the original thing. And so that's like, this is a lot of, you know, material authenticity. But, but to me, it also comes down to like how, what you're looking for in its authenticity, right? Like if I say, are you you? And then two minutes from now, you've got different cells regenerating in your body or whatever. Yeah, you're still please. you. I'm not looking for an authentic you at an authentic time. But like you could look for a document or a movie or something and say, is this the movie from this time? That's a different type of authenticity of just looking for, is this the movie by this name, by this person, by this era? Right. Because you replace the cells in your body like once every seven or so years. Like every single one of them just gets replaced. Um, but there's like layers of authenticity is sort of what I'm getting right. at. So like so, saying, but, is this document authentic doesn't necessarily mean is it the same piece of paper from that time. It might just mean, is this the same content or the same or an image of the same letter or whatever? Like, right. You're asking, can I trust what you're showing me? Um, mm -hmm. This is actually representative of what we would have seen back then. And so like the medium is the message I'm sort of getting at. There are layers to mediums within a single medium. Yeah. Context matters. And that's with people, it's really interesting because you get um, that aspect of um, like you are you, but like I'm not the same guy I was when I was 18, but I am the same guy because I'm still the same when you when you find the I guess when you're looking through context, you have to find the level of abstraction that suits the situation that requires for you so i take a what i mean by this is like um it's the difference between like primary and secondary sources so a primary source could be someone like um if i'm looking at uh the battle of um Karai or something prime we don't have any real primary sources we have like uh, we might have a couple but we have like um well, technically we don't, because like even if you see something, that's a primary source, but it's a photon. <laughs> yeah, but the um, but I'm saying like okay, something like a let's let's go to something a little more recent that I can actually know about, because uh, I don't remember if we have. But okay, if you're studying Romans, you you're gonna read Livy. Now, Livy is a great secondary source for a lot of stuff because he just writes about what happened. He wasn't there for a lot of it because <clears throat> a lot of it happened a lot. He lots of, a lot, writes a lot about Hannibal, but he's writing in like the first century. So that's not, you know, it's a couple hundred years too late. So, but as, so it's a good secondary source. He's writing about the thing he's writing about. And we know because he wrote about it. But if you're looking at Roman culture as itself, Livy's a great primary source. So you're chain, the, con the context of your analysis changes the point on which you are judging authenticity. So for when I'm looking at Roman history, 
Um, this is great. And it's the same thing with a person. When I'm judging, are you the same person? When I'm talking about like their actions, I'm not the same authentic person that I was when I was 18 because I'm going to make completely different actions. I'm going to make completely different judgments because I was an idiot. Um, <laughs> and uh, among other things. Um, but we now, <laughs> but if I change the, if I change the um, level of analysis and the context is what I'm trying to say uh, there is that authentically I am the, the same experiential body that did all those things before. So that's to mean like the same viewpoint, the point of view, which is kind of a lot of what we are and the same continuous point of view all throughout my life. That's authentically kind of me. So I can look along that line or I can be like this same body of cells, which is, you know, if the context is something like, um, you know, a doctor's analysis, trying to figure out where you got this crick in your neck or something. So they're going to want to see how did this body exist along, uh, temporally, uh, along that continuum there, along that line of analysis. So they're going to be more interested in my, uh, the authenticity of my body as it changed throughout time, than you know, my point of view throughout time, or as I was at one authentically, uh, at one point in time. So there's always that aspect of how are you looking at a thing? How is it authentic? And so that matters to, I guess, if we go back to the, the video, if you're only as interested in the content, then, um, ugh, talking a lot there. If you're only interested in the content, then it's okay. If you have a copy, it's okay. If you have a digital copy of a cellulose film, but there's a lot of stuff that the film itself can tell you. And you might be looking along lines of, I need to know where this was made. And sometimes there's little, uh, there's metadata in the, um, the black part of the film. And a lot of times what they can do is they can just take pictures of the entire film, just click, 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 click as it goes. Um, and then you have that, but you can't do physical analysis of it anymore because you destroyed it because it was a fire hazard. You're going to burn down archives, which is mostly paper. <laughs> so... You know, and sometimes by analyzing stuff, you can sort of damage the artifact in the process. So with paleontology or um, like Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that, every time they produce an x-ray to get a, a clear examination of like the composition of the article in question, mm -hmm. there's degradation due to the radiation from the x-rays that's occurring, right? Or right. like um, MRI scans, I think are much better than x-rays. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think they don't damage as much. So they started using... FMRI or something different, magnetic resonance imaging as opposed to radioactive, not active, but radio. Nucleus. Uh, energetic radio. How whatever do magnets even work? <laughs> uh, no, because it, like for, for um, dinosaur bones and stuff like that, you don't want to, you don't want to impose some type of change when you want to pull out, say like the DNA from, uh, from a dinosaur bone. You don't want to destroy right. the DNA in the process of scanning it, right? But even that like radiation, like you, it would be great to have a, like a fully like functioning dinosaur just walking around your lab. But at the same time, you don't want to be like, you don't want to get rid of that 65 million years of, um, of, you know, accumulated radiation and stuff like that and mm -hmm. uh, changes. Cause then like, you'll see, cause you can judge a lot by, you know, how something's changed over time. 
Yeah, so and just like analyzing the way it's degraded boss. over that much time. Like the only yeah. way to know how much it's degraded over that much time is to not touch it for that much time. And like to do an experiment like that, you'd have to wait hundreds, hundred million years. So obviously you don't want to damage it because you want to, you want to see and assess how biology <laughs> and, you know, carbon-based life forms actually degrade. Um, the process of, of studying it could actually break it for future studiers. Yeah. As one example, and it may sound like, um, if you don't mind my my interjecting for a moment here, uh, it it may sound like kind of uh, semantic tedium or whatever talking about authenticity in these terms, but it actually extrapolates very realy in um, like for countries and things like that, because when a country decides its authentic population, you get things oh, like yeah. not just genocides but like invasions and. You well, know, you get cross-border like conflicts. Third and, Reich, they spent so much time determining what the authentic Aryan was, which was in an authentic category. <laughs> yeah, and, and they do it constantly with like racist propaganda and things too. But it's not just territorial or political or anything like that. And it's not just in scientific paleontology or anything like that. It sort of encompasses everything we do because all of our education is pre, pre, um, precedented by things that we've already learned before. So hmm. everything you learn is almost everything is not from direct experience. It's from past forward experiences of other people. So everything is an archived record in a sense. And so it sort of behoove, behooves us um, for future generations and for the prosperity of our populations and for proper education and intellectual advancement of our society to understand how we're preserving things because that also yeah. speaks volumes of how we're teaching things yeah um one note it's not an archived record everything could be seen as a record but archiving is a very specific process um so um everything can definitely be seen as a record whether or not it should be archived which means putting it through a uh what do you call it a um gauntlet of uh <clears throat> of uh, preservation and uh problem sometimes even repair because you get like oh wow this is an important record and it's in 76 discrete pieces that i need to put back together that happens a lot <laughs> in like, computer science we call anything that's stored for later backup uh, an archive so i might yeah. be using the raw the, the word in different terms than you're used to but record is a good word to use um and i think a lot of people with regard to like racist policies and stuff like that a lot of those like there's a lot of people using categories when dealing with authentic ideas and they're they're stuck on the wrong contextual stream with <clears throat> excuse me talking too much um they're stuck on the wrong contextual level and so you know they think uh race is a thing that involves and in. so you know i'm not going to talk about like um i'm not going to get into the obvious stuff like oh you know like people who say like you know uh, like modern stuff where you know, white people bad or something like the most obvious example is always nazi germany because everyone in germany saw this is the most important category of analysis this aspect of race not just race itself but this aspect of race this determines the success of a nation this determines uh this and nowadays it's like this determines justice or you have people say like um uh i don't know like
like um, this people from this province or something or other are better than people from that province. And it's just like, well, it's just your bias because you live there. But it wasn't the, just them. Like the Japanese also had an authentic Japanese and the Chinese have an authentic Chinese. You know what I mean? Like the, Indians Chi- had the authentic, an authentic Chinese Indian. is hilarious because China is just as like it's just because it, Chinese is so like it's not just the Han. But the point is, conceptually, <laughs> the weird, though, they're creating an idealist there. type of humanity out of like these completely racist ideas that are fundamentally just about authenticity and people's struggles to identify with something that's true and pure and authentic. Right. And that to me is, that's where Plato is kind of coming in to spoil the pot because that's kind of that essentialist aspect. What is the ideal Canadian citizen? It's anybody who comes to Canada doesn't mess with other people. <laughs> uh, but even still, there should be no ideal person. So like Plato is wrong in a lot of things and slavery being one of them. And the oh, way yeah. he proposes democracy as a caste system of intellectuals is another yeah. way he was wrong. But the ideas he was putting forward were honest. And that's what I really appreciate about Plato. It's not that you have to believe everything he said because he was like the Messiah or something. It's yeah. that he was speaking of things that other people would either refuse to discuss or just didn't have the idea to think about in the first place right and like i'm picking on plato right now because of his that one his one philosophy that he came up with there it's a really good example i just wanted to be clear for the listeners yeah and i think the other thing about plato is that especially plato socrates aristotle um a lot of people bring these guys up and bring their authority up without actually discussing their ideas uh and because it sounds smart to invoke Plato or Aristotle, well, you know, Word, Aristotle yo. said this, and it's just like, did he? It's like, you know, he's just a guy writing a book. We have 70,000 Platos right now because that, you know, their society was capable at that time of making four. <laughs> and that's how many, like, we have people of that caliber in, uh, in well, droves now. The world, too. Yeah, like everywhere. Mm. <laughs> like, um, and Athens was poorer than our poorest country now. And so um, that's like the fact that Athens was able to actually create a Plato or an Aristotle was impressive in the least. And like, it's the same for any of those early civilizations where we took our first steps towards thinking. Um, and the, these early thinkers did their best and they set some amazing groundwork and it's amazing what they were able to do but they were still special and you still read their stuff. <laughs> and that means that you can't just claim authenticity by claim, by invoking the name. But, but the point they, of bringing them up is that it's just a way of coalescing a large, vast array of ideas down to one commonly known right. idea. It's not that nobody else has ever said it. It's just that it's easier to talk about the one person who put it yeah. concisely and broadly and who spoke very eloquently about it. Right. And so, so it's not I'm, to deify I'm, or glamorize this one person. It's just to say, like, these are the objects or the subjects that we're discussing at this moment. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm picking on Plato here because he, he needs to be picked on on his essentialism because you can use essentialism to do some gosh darn distasteful things. And because it's a philosophy of, um, what do we, it's, like, it's a philosophy that relies on, no, not relies on, encourages the thought process of um, this isn't good enough, just kill it. (laughs) 
Oh, it's you. This isn't. It doesn't have enough chairness in it. Just burn this chair and make another one. It doesn't have. And when you apply that to, like, when you apply it to chairs, it's just like, oh, it's not. Doesn't have enough. You know that essential quality of chair to be a chair that I would sit on. That's okay for a chair. When you start doing that to people, like, what makes the perfect Georgian peasant? What makes the idyllic this or that? What makes that? It's like no, people don't work like that, and that's why essentialism, when applied to people, is. Uh, a philosophic, a very, it can be a very harmful philosophical process, which but as long as there's somebody out there who doesn't have a chair, there's no point in burning it because it's not cherry enough. Right. So <laughs> the reason I bring up this is because when applied to people, authenticity, and there's, again, I'm going to branch out here, is that you have two types of authenticity. Again, what makes the ideal this or that category, but then you also have, and this is something that is um, rampant right now. What makes someone seem real, a whole person, authentic, authentically them, and what makes them seem just like a talking head, a representation, or a or a a thing that isn't representative of the guy that's standing in front of you? Because like yeah, that's I, an important call too, because you're categorizing two types of authenticity. One is of character, which is like quality, and one is of like matter and physical squishiness of carbon atoms and stuff, which is quantity basically. Yeah. So a lot of this can be it comes down to a person knowing. I think in my opinion, it comes down to a person knowing, and this is not an answer to the whole thing we can wrap up. But um <laughs> it's this. Anyway, thank you for listening. No, it comes down to knowing who you are as an individual and a lot of people don't some people just don't have that capability you know i'm me i push a broom it's like you know what good for you buddy i've met guys like that they are actually more authentic because they don't have the ability to lie to you um but yeah, people at the same are really really simple and they're honest about it i would consider them more authentic than somebody who's very well read and completely you know lies yeah. to people all the time or disingenuous or <clears throat> Or whatever sorry but no you're right and but one thing that i've noticed like even in my like i take great effect, uh, uh, lengths to just be me uh and it's not a hard thing it's just knowing who you are in a situation when you're dealt with uh a the hardest part about it is dealing with the backlash <laughs> yeah why'd you do that have you not met me <laughs> like Did you know me <laughs> like it, it's something simple as like um yeah Jordan's Chris, hungry why do you morning. keep bringing it back to philosophy? Just... Well, Jordan's <laughs> hungry in the morning. Well, why didn't you know that? Why is he a jerk? It's like, because when he doesn't eat, that's kind of what he's like. And he knows that. And I have to like embrace me, but I can also control me. So anyway, that's getting, that's, that's, that train's getting a little too far off the track. To put it on, let me give an example where I used to be a waiter. And while I'm waiting your table, um, waiters are some of the most inauthentic people you'll ever meet, especially if you go into Starbucks. They and actors. Not, <laughs> and actors, actors, exactly, especially. I dated an actress once. And bankers and politicians. And anyway. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Don't worry. Not so much bankers, but politicians are something we're going to get to. Bankers are such liars. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, they lie because their, their lies are authentic because they just, you know what they want. And if you know that, then you can work with them. This guy's going to try and take as much of my money as I can. I can trust that. But the the waiter, I think, is a good microcosm of it because i would go up to a table and i'd be like i try to be authentic i try to be myself but i'm still using um 
hi welcome to this uh our specials today are this and blah blah blah, blah. you can uh you should try this it's great if you guys are i was looking at a board game restaurant so i'd just be like uh if you guys are looking for a game blah blah, blah and it'd just be a spiel and it would be something i'd re almost rehearsed and a lot of people wouldn't even have that they would have a script and so like if they're smiling at you they're lying to you straight up um if, or they're lying to themselves i'm happy not all of them some of them are grateful for the job <laughs> oh no we're grateful for the job that no, but i mean, mean like super grateful like i'd be homeless right now without it kind of thing oh no that's like i re i was realizing that but in the moment i was like i don't care anything about the people at this table at all but i mean some servers are actually just happy to be there is what i'm getting at. yeah authentic you can't say all all servers are inauthentic right those it depends on the life situation personal personality yeah blah, blah, blah. but like if you're tired 90 percent though <laughs> yeah the people who are happy in any situation those people are weird and i find them strange i'm so <laughs> jealous of them <laughs> it's just i think like my of one life guy, ambition to be like that i'm thinking of one guy in particular <clears throat> i think he just got dealt all the right cards and but anyway the um the the thing about it is that like i was able to like try and inject some of my being into my encounter with the table. And one I, thing I didn't like about it was, you know, people would go up and they just say the same thing every single time. And I'd just be like, guys, just be yourself a bit more, please. It's annoying me yeah, to have to hear it. <laughs> and so like, there's I a good joke in uh, office space like that. The oh. lady that does the uh, corporate accountants payments. Maybe yeah. Corporate accountants payments. Maybe yeah. She just didn't do moment. anything. She just like, puts people on hold as her job all day, every day and or like but like people would be given a script so they wouldn't have to think about what they're saying they wouldn't have to engage the table with any of their brain matter and like i would have i'd go up to a table and I'd be like just don't give me a script just let me engage the customer i'll make you money and i actually said this to them um, and they're like no, no no the script is something that you know a lot of successful companies have done so we're gonna do it too and that was their logic you know it's just uh induction That's like a bean counter running a business <laughs> yeah exactly and i was just like you know people like engaging with people they like being able to like the server taking like five seconds and actually talking to them they like that and they like that authenticity of someone like serving them so what happens when i got the script and i was like i was just going up there and i felt like i was just saying things and i, I can't do this i'm not very good at that i can't just I find it a lot easier for me to just be authentic because it's, you know, it just flows better. My day goes by faster. I can't just turn off my brain. Maybe that's the aspect of it, but I found a lot of people were just more comfortable. Just give me, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me what I'm supposed to say and I'll get to the end of the day and everything will be fine. I'm just like, I, I didn't understand that, but I understand that it, this is a, it, <clears throat> they don't want to be authentic because it's not as easy and i'm sorry if you're watching this and i'm calling you out but i'm calling you out um so but i don't think there's anything wrong with that because not and not inherently should i just expect found it. authenticity from people working jobs i really don't think that's fair to human beings to suggest that they should become whatever job they take up because that just completely dissolves any any humanity that's in them right no it's, but i'm thinking i'm saying that like they're giving up aspects of their humanity in order to just get to the end of the day. And whereas like I was having more fun because I was trying to just be me doing this job. And that 
to me, like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's, it, I it's, think the effort is authentic though. Do you know what I mean? So even oh, the when effort's people authentic. are lying for the sake of not just their job, but for their customer's happiness, right. I think that's a type of authenticity without being authentic. That sort of gets into the, the neat little dilemmas that I have mentally with, with the subject, which is why I was happy that we were going right. to talk about it today. But like, I don't have like that, that approach to like when I have to move my, the, the contextual analysis for authenticity down to there, I just, I end up not being able to respect them. Like I can respect them as a server and as a hard worker, but like as an individual, there's nothing for me there to respect because you're just delegating your, um, the aspects of your outward life to the company or to Starbucks. Like people, I've seen people become Starbucks and it's, like I don't want to think about it anymore and like they become what people tell them to become and I, I find that like I find it sad because again and this is but then they'll say stuff like you know diversity is our strength it's like no diversity is our strength and you aren't taking part in it because you are taking your you know unique you and giving it to the company and just putting on the mask and like and uh, this but was you, you see how that serves a purpose though right there's a utility of work and well, i know it work, serves a serve purpose. a purpose i know it serves a purpose but i can serve a purpose better as myself than right. putting on the mask because they I'm say saying... be authentic and then i'll be authentic and then i'll get taken aside you know but for being me and talking to the customers they'll be like well be authentic but not like that it's like yeah that's i was <laughs> literally told that has to do that though <laughs> You, you'd kind of consider it weird if people didn't have to wear uniforms, for instance. And every time no. you force somebody to wear a uniform to, to go to work, even cops, you're basically saying be inauthentic because that's no. not what they would wear on their own outside in the street. But there's a, a purpose to it. You want to be able to recognize a police officer from a mile away. Right. A uniform. The same and you want them to act as if they have no personality. So right. they can chuckle. But a, to me, a uniform is just an outward display of like something like it's just it's what they're wearing. And we make people wear things to like for utility aspects, you know, firemen should be wearing firefighting equipment and they should all kind of, and they honestly, they don't really need to be wearing the same firefighter equipment, but all firefighter equipment is going to look kind of the same. Uh, but a cop, we need to know they're a cop. For all firefighters purposes. should look the same too, I think, because then you well, can spot them if there's a fire. <laughs> oh no, but they're always going to be wearing like high vis gear, and whether or not it's the same company or not that they're all buying their kit from, it's all going to look the same because mm. it has to serve the same utilitarian purpose, which is, you know, heat resistance <laughs> and you know getting oxygen to their but like face. Like the variety of styles, right? Like you're not going to see one come out with a flashy purple one, another one come out with a flashy green one, another one come out with a blue no. one. You know but what I mean? It's so not, like people would go to but, work in their own clothes and they have a no, variety but, of clothes as a version of self-expression, which is authentic to their character. Well, usually some people are posers or whatever, but yeah, <laughs> they're, they're inauthentic just because they're authentically inauthentic. But yeah. Um, I think it's it's a necessary point to point out just that we understand and recognize the fact that we do have to sacrifice authenticity for a greater purpose and that greater purpose doesn't need to be like some high holy land no it but, could just be i want a big mac and i don't want to have to like ask everybody in the dining room or do you work here do you work here like i want to recognize a mcdonald's employee right so there's 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 so there's um, practical aspects to it but like i'm 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 saying there's a difference between wearing something and being something um because like what I, i'm not i'm not what i'm i'm not what i wear like i like if you if you look at me i'm wearing pretty much what you'd expect a historian to wear 
<laughs> like it's pretty, it's, it's pretty blatant. Um, I'm aware of it, but I do like wearing these clothes. Now the thing is, is that nobody's, start- no, yeah, but no one's forcing me to wear those clothes. And even if someone was now, if I go to work and I understand that people need to see that I'm that work, but like I should be allowed to use my words now authentically outwardly now this is kind of like what's inside is more important than what's on the outside maybe but what's inside controls what's on the outside and i can give up a bit i can say okay i'll wear your uniform but i'm gonna wear it like this because what i did at a starbucks is i just started wearing a tie because they said i could wear a tie so i was just like i'm gonna be the guy that wears a tie and i wore a tie every single day <clears throat> it was like that in the call centers <laughs> yeah well i was like that at school too i, I dressed up to school because everyone was pissing me off so i was just like i'm gonna flex in the other direction if they're gonna flex so hard towards uh you know being scrubs and because you know i just want to be comfortable it's like sort of what i'm getting at is it's like a uniform though for a server to be told to to act a certain way or be flamboyant at starbucks it may not be for you but for other people where that's easy for them they they should be at starbucks right so that's the culture they want right but what i'm actually saying here is that the actions you take are more important than the image you present. And so what you do, what you look like kind of, it matters. Cause you know, you, everyone's got to have their own kind of style, but that's not as important as, um, what you do as a person. And this includes what you say, because you can say like, what, what I'm saying here is stuff that I'm saying, I'm not saying this because I'm, you know, um, beholden to some, you know, ideology or party that is, you know, speaking through me, I'm trying to speak as myself. And when you're working for, uh, you know, the restaurants I enjoyed working for best were the ones who just let me tell them what was on the menu and not just say, say what the thing wants to say as many, because then I am exercising my own agency. And I think that's where it comes in the ability to exercise your agency as an individual is necessary for the display of often for the not the display the presentation of authenticity in an individual because you have and i'm saying maybe saying that individualism and authenticity go hand in hand but you can be you can be a cop or a soldier wearing your soldier kit or your thing but like i've never really met anyone more authentic than soldiers they're so i I, no i mean like they're just so i hang out with a lot of soldiers and they are very honest with you about lots of stuff and they're very they're they're weird (laughs) but they're always kind of weird in their own way and but you put them in a you put them in their uniforms and you line them up for a reason but they don't really lose their individuality well in our army in chinese army it's 90 percent propaganda training i'm not even kidding israeli uh, army what but anyway the israeli army is conscription people don't want to be there yeah it's pretty them. and it's all a propaganda machine to control the well a lot of more countries than just israel have conscription like that have mandatory military yeah, service poland had it romania had it a whole bunch Italy of countries has had it, it. But they didn't um, force people to actually engage in brutality <laughs> while they were serving, unlike China and Israel. That's why I brought up Israel. Russia. China. Russia, Russia has that. Yeah. There but, are certain um, countries that force the engagement of brutality, like South Africa used to. Yeah. And that type of thing destroys people's humanity in the process of destroying their authenticity. Right. 
So I'm saying authenticity is kind of the antithesis to that because you can't have um, a, a population that is just kind of like who asking themselves, who am I as an individual with regard to how I fit into society isn't going like, I'm part of the Nazi party. Oh, and that's going to get cut out, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, I believe that um, this or that, and then I need to follow the group because then you're giving up any authentically aspects of you and trying to fit into a mold that others expect you to put into, which, you know, you become, instead of you, you just give up, say, okay, now you can give up a bit of you. And we all do like, oh, I'm going to be a family man now. But it should be to... willful. That's, but, that's what I'm saying. It's still authentic. If the person is willfully submitting towards the, the, the common goal of the company or organization that they're party to, or that they're participating in. So if somebody's willfully serving and they're 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 pushing aside their natural tendencies to just be outgoing or or I mean introverted or whatever, yeah, it's it's for the authentic purpose of being better at their job. But well, then they're no the longer authentically lying. like Hans is no longer authentically Hans. He's now Hans yeah, the Nazi. What I'm saying is that's not the same as lying to people for like for deception or to, to hide a, a fault of your own or to protect yourself from damages that you've incurred on other people. So there's, there's one way of lying that's not actually reprehensible. And there's another way of lying that is. And I think now, lying itself is not just intrinsically inauthentic because you could authentically want to pretend to be happy when you're not because you're at work and because that's in the best interest of all the people around you. Right. I think actors, when we get, if we get into acting for a bit, this will elaborate this a bit better because an actor is professionally inauthentic, but the caveat is, is that they have to be authentically the thing they're being authentic, inauthentic about. Okay. Exactly. I'm going to say that in layman's terms. <laughs> is That's that what makes a good actor though. The actor can authentically portray the thing that he is not. And so, because most actors and actresses are they tend to be strange. Um, I met all the ones I've act or, uh, met are kind of weird, but um, they are not like not the smartest people in the world, but they're good at what they do, and they do it. Some of them a, are. Yeah, hold on, I gotta, few, but some I'm of them out are. Of. But I think what's important about like in the discussion of authenticity, it's not just about like outright lying or like the superficiality of authentic. I think it also extends into like academia. So like a scholar okay. is a scholar because they truly appreciate and value knowledge and the dissemination of truth and science and whatever, right? Yeah. So for a scholar, I don't think it's possible to be an authentic scholar if they're not also willing to teach to others. So in, in other words, if they're not, not just for publications and citations, but just a blog or you know making right. videos or whatever if somebody is truly passionate about knowledge itself to be authentic about that passion they should also try to disseminate the knowledge that they've collected over their efforts because that's what promotes scholarship so if you believe in scholarship you should also be promoting the thing that you believe in while you're engaging in it and practicing. right now and that sort of translates also to like Benevolence, which we talked about in our charity episode with right. lifting others as being not just kind or good, but it's also an authentic hum humane thing to do. If you believe in virtues and, and like honor and valor and things like that, if you believe in what, what would make 
what you would define as a good person, if you believe in that personally, you should also extend that out into the world and practice it just out of authenticity. But of that's care. the that's the thing. You are defining it. If you let someone else define it, without like, and you can think about like some like I'm trying to find lines here, but I think the thing is is that like anything is it is, and I'm trying to move away from this because you can just literally call anything authentic and have that be true. It, like a thing is authentically a thing. I have a spoon here. It's authentically a spoon. It's like, well, it could, is this a fork? Well, yeah, if you cut it up, it could be a fork. And so it's also authentically a fork technically, but like what we, as a people, it's a little more because we have that ability to make up our own minds along with who we are. And I think a lot of it is if you subscribe to something that you didn't actually think about that's in in authentic so you can become like a um, like we put up with actors we kind of glossed over that quickly but um but a what do you call them um teacher a professor and they'll without actually like there's a lot of professors that i met that don't actually they seem like mouthpieces for just one ideological thing or another and they just that's their whole thing and like well that's authentically what they believe in but a lot of times if you haven't thought about it, if you become just a mouthpiece and you haven't you're just subscribing to something else because then i don't think that you really act as an authentic an individual authentically you now you're authentic now you get something like um you see this a lot with uh, religious people where they won't really be themselves they'll be the religion uh, a lot of times and they won't act with you know a, as a person who subscribes to a certain set of morality uh based upon a specific set of you know ethics laid out in a holy book or whatever they'll act as uh, the avatar of that as much as possible and they won't you can't get a conversation out of them or worse like, yet they get radicalized <laughs> yeah and like you can radicalize like you can radicalize along any lines really and what i <clears throat> that's a good word because what's happening is in See giving up extremism episode <laughs> yeah in giving up your own authenticity you essentially are becoming radical and you become the ideology or or that set or um this or that because you are not exercising control over your own perspective and i think it's authentic when you are in tune with who you are at the most so like it's kind of like a guy who's really good at driving cars says oh no no it's against the rules to drive cars so i'm never going to drive cars that guy's never going to be authentically him because he's not exploring what he is best at he's not exploring his potential he's not exploring himself and so the more you explore yourself in turn i would say be allows you to become more authentically you if you accept it it's just kind of so many there's so many barriers to authenticity but a lot of people have it because they just kind of do it like this is what i'm good at this is who i am this i would is contest accepted that myself to suggest to be. I would contest that only because people who don't think about it enough can still believe that they are being authentic without knowing that they're being manipulated. Oh, it doesn't have to be conscious. A lot of people do it as a matter of course. They like, there's a lot of people who just 
fall into like, this is what I'm good at, or this is what I do. And this is who I am. And then, but that's the thing. The, the, the key thing is that they have decided whether conscious or unconscious, they're the ones exploring what they're good at. Like a guy with a shovel can just be a, be just as authentic as uh, you know, a guy What's doing that? science a person filled with religious fervor who doesn't read the Bible, but still believes that the Bible is written from God. To me, that would be inauthentic because they're not practicing what they, what they claim to believe as like full nature reality. Right. Yeah. But in their minds, they don't need to read it because it's incomprehensible or it's too difficult or they don't have time or they're raising kids or they trust the priest or whatever the reasoning or rationale is that they subscribe mm. to. That's enough for them to to be to to believe that they are authentic. Do you know what I mean? It comes down to a person's belief. If they don't realize or know, that's just like the definition of ignorance. And ignorant isn't like some slur that you throw at people. It just means that you're unaware of not knowing something. Right. An ignorant but... person isn't isn't like saying you're ugly, you're stupid. An ignorant person is just absent knowledge. Right. And, and sometimes that knowledge that of their that... own awareness of their own authenticity. I don't think they can be inauthentic because that is part of their medium. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like the, it's kind of like I'm living my own truth, but no, no, because that's intentional. That that's deliberate. Yeah. Well, Ignorance requires no, a, because you can say that and not actually know what the heck you're talking about. But yeah, I guess that's true. The, <laughs> the thing is, is that you. Um, you can perform all the stuff you want and call it, this is what I'm doing. But there is to some extent, um, you have to rely, and this is kind of, um, I don't even know, you have to rely on other people's judgment to some extent, because you are you with regard, to, you're not just you in a vacuum, you're, with, you're you with regard to everyone that's around you. And I think when, I remember when I was trying to figure out who I was, a lot of times I would I was like watching feedback, like I do something and everyone would be like, what the heck are you doing? Or that's stupid or that's kind of weird. Like, and I was playing with, I was like wearing weird clothes and I was, you know, playing with some odd ideas, seeing what worked and what didn't. And, um, a lot of times people would just, you know, people would, cause people can recognize authenticity, um, unconsciously which is why it's such a hard thing to define. Cause it's just like, yeah, that's, 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 that's right. And like, when you do something that's not really authentically you, two things can happen. Uh, either you find out that you're an idiot, which is generally going to happen most of the time. Uh, it's like, I'm, this is what I am. And everyone's going to be like, no, now that's honestly what happens most of the time. But some of the time you'll like, this is, this is what I am. This is something that's authentically me. And you present something, you're wearing some weird, different clothes. You're trying out a new idea. Um, you're trying out a new way of engaging with people, you know, uh, something like that. Something that kind of jives better. So something that flows better. And some people might say, uh, that's not you and be right. And some people might say, oh, that's not you. That's not authentic you. That's and they could be also wrong, which in which case they don't understand the authentic you, which happens a lot. You know, some, you learn who your friends are by who understands what makes the authentic you rather than who just has an idea of you in their head that has no correspondence to who you are. 
But um, I would say that's still you though, because you're the one getting the feedback from other people to reaffirm and reevaluate your own presentation of self. Right. And that's self-directed. Go... So that's not somebody else imposing their beliefs or wills or ideas of you on you. That's you seeking their reaffirmations or their judgments in order to correct your own behavior and find your own truer self. Right, but so we need I other suggest... people's judgments. <laughs> no. I would suggest then that it's more to do with people's beliefs or intentions than it is to do with actual reality or matter of fact. And an example of this would be in the scholarly field, like you mentioned, with professors who just shouldn't be teaching but are forced to teach because they're professors. They're and worst. another example would be the ones who are doing research and forced to teach, but all they want to do is research. And Slightly another would be the journalist. The <laughs> ones who are reporting on, um, on publications and stuff like that, who are uh, who will write like some kind of clickbait or headline seeking thing to get attention. And then when, when the journal articles who publish them, um, when they have to make a retractment or whatever they call it, when they have to retract a statement or a headline, they'll do it on like page six below the fold after the fact. They knowingly are not putting that on the first page. And that to me is more, is actual inauthenticity. Yeah. Because if your idea of running a paper or a publication that publishes science, and you're not showing either the peer review or the boring stuff or the, re, um, the, the corrections that you have to make from prior publications. Even if it's just in small print on one page, it should be the first page you see. And a good example of this is Canadian Business Magazine it used to be a Rogers publication for a long time. I was subscribed to it and they would have their corrections right on the front page. So you'd open it up and say, hey, this is the big news within this week. But before we get to the big news story, the page on the left that you don't usually read because the first page on the right with the big picture is usually the first article. It was like just point form notes, just like, please note, check here for the full statement. But this was redacted. This was corrected. Uh, this was amended, this interpretation was wrong, this quote was wrong, and they would list off all of their corrections on a single mm -hmm. page right at the front of the, but like Nature Magazine doesn't do that, Time Magazine doesn't do that, our, our right. newspapers, none of them do that. I've never seen a newspaper right. put corrections on the front page. And, I, and that and I, to me is specifically inauthentic because their job and purpose and function is to disseminate authentic knowledge. Right. And I did want it's, it's an intentionality thing that I would suggest. I did want to get to that. But on like intentionality, I would say, well, and that's kind of what I was implying before when talking about, you know, you have to intentionally push something yourself, uh, not push, but like be something yourself instead of just um, adopting something from someone else. But, jeez, oh, where was I going to go? Because, oh man, you got into something I was going to get into in a bit. Oh, um Sorry, it's just you were mentioning how um, it would be inauthentic for people to not consider right. the opinions of other people. Right. So, no, but it's not like it, that's not really how because it's not inauthentic to Sorry just not I consider phrased. other people's opinion because you you went into you, you went into a different um, realm of analysis thereafter, um, but which I do want to get into. Maybe but, it was just the phrasing then, because you had mentioned that authenticity of self requires an uh, outside right. opinion. Because well, we're not we're, we, people don't exist in a in a bubble, and that's kind of like I'm just going to be me, and everyone has to accept me for who I am. It's just like, yeah, but sometimes like you can be you, but sometimes a lot of people get cognitive dissonance when you encounter a person and they're throwing off like different signals. Like we've all kind of met a person 
who throws off contradictory signals. Um, I guess the most obvious would be like a girl that dresses up in obvious come and get me stuff. Um, we should be able to wear what we want and not be sexualized. And that's not how it works. Um, but you know, you get a girl that's showing, giving you all the signals, come and get me. And then we'll have the body language of someone who's saying, if you touch me, I'll mace you. And you know, someone's just like, okay, this seems like I'm encountering uh, someone who is confused. And you get this in uh, people who should be acting as if they're in positions of authority. You know, you get up to the podium and they're acting all like, you know, well, I don't know what I'm talking about. And they start apologizing for everything. And you're just like, dude, just say what you need to say. Accept yourself as yourself and just go forward. And to me, a lot of times we rely on external signals to know whether or not we're sending out the proper signals. Because a lot of times we don't know if something is authentically, you know, not like it can be authentically us, but it can be like, you know, authentically stupid too. Um, and we need to know if we're making a, like some, because sometimes us being authentic isn't exactly always kosher. Um, sometimes I really want to punch a wall, but I don't. And that's an aspect of it. And so we need other people to say, yes, that's you. But then all of a sudden some people, like I get a lot of signals saying like, Jordan, you should do this. This you should do this. And I see the me that's in their head and that me that's in their head. So like there's constructive criticism. Is that what I was talking about before? But then the me that's in somebody else's head that they see as what's authentically me often doesn't correspond to what is actually me. And we get this a lot with people like, uh, you know, celebrities. We have an idea of a celebrity in our head that has no corresponding to reality, I guarantee you. And then you meet that celebrity and they are completely different from that. Now you can double down and be like, no, you should be like this. And this is, we see this a lot and it's really cringy. But then you get the people who try and enforce that, um, which if I went any further with this, I'd be calling someone out. So. I'm not going to go any further with that because in my life, there's been people who have had an idea of me and say, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And then, you know, people will, who are there will be engaging with me and saying, they have no idea who you are, do they? And I'll be like, no, they have no idea. And so they have no idea how to, how to act with me. And so they just sit there being like, you know, miserable when they're around me. And so I just disengage. But so that's in my life something that authenticity has played a authenticity has played a part in. I'm trying to be authentically me, but well, I'm not trying. It's just something that's kind of happening when I'm doing it right. I know, uh, but and when I'm not doing it right, I just kind of feel like I'm being awkward. But um, then when somebody's trying to act with me as if I'm someone else based on how they see me authentically that has no corresponding to the truth, then it's just, it's just a miserable experience to everyone. Now, to get into the broader scope of it, which is kind of when you bring that's all individual sphere, and we get into what you were talking about with, and you moved on to the public sphere, because this is really swearing. This is really fascinating, because you get someone like the news. Now, I can't trust the news anymore. They come on, they say like, something for 30 seconds and it's all show it's all aesthetic it's all 
you know, it's all makeup, um, intentional intonation, and it's just a show. The, the you know, the bulo, the 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 thing behind this. There's you don't see any of the wrinkles behind the screen. They're showing you something that's presenting as news, and it's hard to trust it because you know you got this talking head and then you go to the internet and everyone's being authentic you know you get people actually talking about stuff um and you have this disconnect and i think that's one of the things where you have this um so that to me is knowingly disingenuous though what the news is doing and i think yes. that's really blatant so like yes, we talked about that a so lot blatant. with our modern media episode, right? But the people who believe it or the people who watch it and actually get scared and follow that fear mongering and the people who are manipulated by it, I don't think they're inauthentic. They're just, um, they're dis, what do you call it? People that? watching it aren't inauthentic, but the news is so inauthentic. Yeah. And it's, but, it's, but the it's people so... believing, believing that they're acting truthfully to themselves who are afraid of things like vaccines because they were told to be um i pity those people more than anything i wouldn't consider them disingenuous not like the news who is intentionally news, riling up people's um well, emotions news, in order well, to gain profit like to they're making money doing something that's harmful to the public that doesn't serve their public good and that they know is not part of the ethos of their their function in society mm-hmm. so like they're it's like a person whose job is to make um uh, streets or sidewalks, breaking streets and sidewalks. It's counterproductive, like literally. Yeah. Well, let's look at what's actually the happening thing there. That they're supposed to be creating, cultivating, and building. Yeah. And like, let's, because like CBC lately has been abysmal. Like, it's it, like ever since one of the best things was about it was um, very recently, not too recently, the uh, the election before last. Not that like, wasteful election that they just did but the one in the real one uh, yeah the real one but because i was watching cbc and i could i kind of want to go into the the and analyze it a bit but i was watching cbc after the election they're like you know what the um they're just talking it's just a bunch of kids talking and they're saying how like the conservative party didn't know what they were talking about they need to become more like the ndp or the liberals if they want to get ahead and i'm just like what is going on? That's not how politics works. These kids have no idea what they're talking about. They need to, like their guy. Uh, they are sitting around being talking about things as if they're just. Well, it, let's look at it. Let's look at. Let's analyze it a bit. What that right. is is an immaturity but of thought. That's an immaturity of thought. But I, what I want to look at is more about the talking head aspect of it, because like that aspect of it isn't. It's not really that important because we talked about immaturity before. What I'm interested in is you get this thing. So right now, this is my office. I'm showing you as like exactly what like I would live in normally. I'm not just setting. I'm not just going and having a set. Uh, I put my books behind me. That's a bit manipulative. How dare I? But like that's about it. But these are my books. These aren't just books in the background. What you see on TV is you get a person sitting there looking professional they wear something that makes them display authority picked out they by get, sponsors right they yeah suits to just you know given by moors usually or tip top or something and then <laughs> they're the I'm, mall stores <laughs> i'm not even yeah you just watch the credits of the news and um they are made up made up to holy heck 
their intonation, they're they're framed so that they you know we're here today looking at the like gravity. They're they're acting essentially. They're made up to make them look you know sexy. A lot of TV is like you want to have sex with this person. That's what they're trying to convey, which is weird when they're like doing it with children. That's messed up. I find. or the weather. Yeah, it's really wet today. <laughs> but it's hot. They also want, they're conveying a specific aesthetic. And then, you know, in the background, they have like pictures that convey like, this is Winnipeg or this is Canada, or this is, you know, Washington DC, even though they're in like a sound studio, it's everything about it is aesthetic and nothing about it is authentic. There is not any authentic aspect to it. The way they speak, the person there isn't the person. Oh, I'm this person. That name is supposed to have authority, but that person isn't that person because they go on, put on their news hat, which is, you know, they change their intonation, they change their, you know, everything about themselves, and they become this. And but not again, it's the, a job. Like I can't criticize okay, yeah. somebody for trying to be good at their no, job. No, we do need people to read the news. Good, if a boss tells you do this, and I'll pay you, and this is what I'm going to review you on as your employer. You right. can't really fault the employee. The fault is with the employer. Well, the I don't really care about the, the... encouraging the disingenuousness. Right. I'm not calling out the news anchor. I'm calling out the. I'm not criticizing the, what you're saying. I'm, I'm calling out to, the. I'm trying to yeah. articulate it. <laughs> right, but to be specific about it, because right, I know it's a job, but at the same time, the way the medium is presented is that we're getting this news at talked at us by someone who, not someone, but by a representation of authority they're not an authority they're just someone who reads the news that they don't um maintain they don't they're, they're not coming from a position of from which with they can profess and this is why we have the name professor the professor mm -hmm. is in front of the class at least should be um i'm thinking of it through a few specific professors um who have the ability to profess on a subject which means they are an authority they've gone and done the work they've gone and done the reading they're probably still doing it and they better be and but that's authentic they are authentically a nerdy university professor talking about you know you know aquatic marine life that's uh, redundant like you know coastal marine life or something um and so but you get the news and they the the most authentic people there are the sports announcers and the new the weather people because the weather people actually have to you know attempt to have a meteorology degree and the sports people actually enjoy sports i call them failed pilots <laughs> it's a joke there's a, there's a lot of meteorology and learning how to fly it's yeah there like, is i have the textbook right and your there. life depends on it so you really really got to know it <laughs> yeah so the these people actually know what they're talking about like the sports people like it's not hard to get into sports but you know the sports announcers usually like looks like a jock who's like yeah of course i watch sports i watch the game and they can talk about it and they probably but they gotta some... pretend they like curling <laughs> you know there, I mean? that is the two but there, there they can it's authentic if they get up there saying this isn't really my thing but here's what happened like i'd respect that more than i love curling because they're paid to like but if i was their employer i would specifically tell them don't say you don't like this sport i would say act like you love every sport because right. you want to engage the public you don't want the public to like mm, i'm not really interested because you air it 
That's part of right. your product that you sell. So what you can do with that, and this is kind of something I learned when waiting tables, is that I can make it about them liking it and not about me liking it. So I would go like, oh man, I hate this dish. But I can say, well, you know, I'd prefer this one over here, but you might absolutely love this one. This got this and this and this, and like people love this, right? And I like, I'd make it about them and not about me. And you can do that with like, if you're a sports announcer talking about like, oh, curling. Well, these people like curling, so I'm going to be enthusiastic with them. Yeah. So, but it's like, I, I've heard other people say this shot is really hard, but it doesn't look so hard to me. Like that, that's not really a, <laughs> a helpful, engaging no. type of announcement. You know what I mean? But if they've, if, if they've, if they've actually spent some time on a hockey, like a rink or a curling, uh, hawk or something, then, um, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, then, this looks like something people do in a back alley somewhere. Like we got a bunch of beer cans and you're drunk at three in the morning. You just roll them down the alley. Shifty curlers <laughs> in the alley. Maybe you know what you want. <laughs> it's just like you look down the street and there's just a guy with a rock coming at you and he just like <laughs> throws it at you. Ah, <laughs> sweet motherfucker. And I lost my thing. And some guys with like brooms come out of nowhere and just start speeding up the rock as it's coming towards you. <laughs> yeah, this is a problem in Canada. Yeah, throw them down the. So, but, but like getting back to the announcers themselves, like they're not they're prof they're just I know it's a job I, I like I, I'm aware of that, but the aspect of it is that that I'm calling inauthentic is the fact that I'm not getting professing from someone who knows what they're talking about now someone now this changes when you have now they sh make a show of authenticity when they go we're alive and you actually have a reporter who's actually trying to be like i want to make my way up in the reporting and they're like usually kids they send them off and they like got the thing and this is also a show and you get them going and they're still making a show of authenticity hey i'm here and i'm like i'm here i'm this is authenticity this is they're leveraging authenticity i am here like I'm at the place. I'm not somewhere else. I'm looking at it. I'm verifying it. This is kind of the same thing as archives. It's like, yes, I can prove this is a thing. And I'm looking at it right now and they show like the burning building. I'm like, look, it's burning. I'm showing you, I'm me and I'm showing you this. And this is actually what's happening. You're like, yeah, I can trust this. This is, this is authentic information I'm getting. But again, now, that's, that's also, sorry to interrupt, but like, the, when they sent journalists to Libya before they bombed Libya so that they could be live reporting on the bombing of Libya, like stuff like that can also be manipulated to be inauthentic. So well, like, well, that's what I'm saying is that it's also a show. To, they set up first. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quick to set up. But sometimes if somebody's just standing around and there is a live thing, why wouldn't you record it live? That's what I was going to get to next. It's is not that necessarily the situation the, that makes it authentic or not. It's the intention of the people being like the producers. Right. It's the intention so, going into the situation that makes it inauthentic. Right. So the best and something that I've seen lately come out in the last couple of years on the internet is like, you'll see one thing, you watch the news, here's what's happening, blah, 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 blah. And then you'll go and you'll turn on live streams and you'll see what's actually happening. And people, and this is the most authentic depiction of what's going on in the world is the, I'm getting so many emails. I'm just using my phone as a prop here is <laughs> that you'll just get people and they'll be like, What's happening? And people are just going online, setting up a thing and just being like, and like, you're not getting anything from them. They're like, I am here. I'm just me. And I figured if people would want to see this who aren't here, 
Like the plane's anyway, landing at Heathrow during that storm. <laughs> yeah, and like you seeing it, and there's no there's no show to it. It's just this is the thing. Judge for yourself. And the other thing is that here's the interesting thing about you're getting the authentic in news and information. This is why I don't really trust the news much anymore is because they're competing against just random people in a crowd with their phones and they're doing a bad job because it's not only one person in the phone. You get a protest and you'll get people on both sides with their phones out and not just one person who's like, I'm here, uh, go Vikings. And <laughs> but that's such a great opportunity and for news no. media. They could be aggregating all of this live data instead of wasting their money on reporters going no. out there. They could have professionals sitting at home and saying, oh, we got 50 live streams. Which one should we put together to show both sides? Right. Like they could be doing a phenomenal job with the advent of technology, but they're so stuck in this cable news model. They can't even think outside the box of like setting no. up a news van and running out like April O'Neil. And they're April O'Neil. Turtles reference. Oh, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> Remember she had the big van with the antenna? Well, that was what um, the old like muckrakers and the old, not journalists, but reporters yeah. um, who would go out and they'd, they'd know people in the city. They'd go talk. And that's that was what it was before. And it, it boiled down a 30-second soundbite. And the thing about a live stream that's authentic is like you're getting – seeing what's there as it's there and the people in the chat will be like turn right i can't see what's going on over there your quality sucks like hold it up higher and then they'll just be like <laughs> so people aren't in, aren't just doing that and i don't think the news media is like the the legacy media is doing a good job of this because i don't think they understand it because they're like no no we have this strict um code of what we do and they've even lost how to do that original reporting and they've become very sensational. Like um, you look at like, this is the difference between Moreau's good night and good luck, where he'd sit down for an hour, like the old attempt at long form conversation. Uh, and they replaced it with, you know, what, you know, howdy doody, um, which was just like Rachel Maddow. <laughs> oh, Rachel Maddow. Jeez. She's can you believe this happened? I and swear she thinks she's the same. <laughs> it's like she believes it. That's yeah, why oh, she no, left she, Fox she to is... go do like MSNBC to do the exact same show. Because Fox yeah. wouldn't let her do her authentic show. Right. And now, well, Rachel Maddow is authentically Rachel Maddow. Yes. And I, uh, but, I guess I can respect it, but I just don't believe anything <laughs> she says ever. <laughs> Before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about like other stuff too. We only yeah. have like half hour or so left. So we talked about oh, like, yeah, yeah. authenticity, but like there are so many other ways to put it. Like uh, a quick example we don't have to like really talk about is like our podcast is authentic in the sense that we're not doing it because we have fans. We're doing it regardless of the fans or how many people listen or whatever, just because it's important in and of itself. But a better example I'd like to talk about is like NFTs, because we haven't mentioned NFTs much. We okay, sort of talked yeah. a little bit about blockchain once. I can't remember in a past episode. That was a long time ago. NFTs are literally in the news every single day now, and it's driving me insane. So I think it deserves at least a few minutes of... My, my favorite example of this is on DeviantArt where people make art, and they're getting locked out of their own accounts because people are taking, stealing, like taking a screenshot or saving it, making it an nft claiming its copyright and then right, making a copyright claim against the artist who made the thing that's exactly my point and the point of the nft is to not have copy copyright issues like the point of it is to pr as proof of authenticity as a token that's non-fungible mm -hmm. 
and it's being used for the exact opposite. It's being used to, to take property that otherwise wouldn't have been taken without the NFT. Can you define but this fungible? applies to YouTube too. When I put up my music after paying for the licenses of my beats and stuff, like some company goes out and just files a frivolous copyright claim against all my videos. And for two years they were down. I didn't even know because they didn't even bother to let me know that I was committing fraud or copyright infringement or whatever. And then when I wrote them back and disputed the copyright, it took them a month to lift it. And they never even looked at the licenses I had. I had licenses for every single one of my 15 videos up and they never even asked for proof. They just accepted my denial because the company is known for frivolously filing copyright claims. But YouTube has no compunction whatsoever with letting this company continue to do this and violating my rights as an artist. Not a very mm. good artist, but an artist nevertheless. Regardless of how good my music is, it's my friggin' music. Like well, I produced making... it, I published it, I recorded it, it's mine. And somebody else pretending to say that it's theirs or that it's not mine at least, I don't know if they're claiming that it's theirs or not, but has the right to inf violate my personal space of my property. And what, what bothers me about it is that people don't think that this is a big deal because it's just YouTube or whatever, or go to another platform or host it yourself, but it's the principle. It's well, not the making... actual media. It's the principle of the fact that somebody can go around stealing someone else's art using an NFT and the NFT's only purpose for existing is to prevent this. Well, not and only that, they're making that I don't really have much respect for someone who makes money without creating value in the system now a server they're making money they're not creating value they're making yes, tons they're of value, value. Uh, like well you're just making a song that's not value it's like that's value a song is value someone can listen to that and get something out of it that's value now someone you're just making a thing and now saying now because i have thing pay me money and it's just and they don't really even need to like in that case like yours they don't give they don't give uh yeah they don't give a one little shift about flying fleet. you being put out and uh you know being put out because they're like you know they don't care and so it's all about the money it's all fair like don't let us you know you don't let a sicker sucker get away with his buck kind of stuff and um um they put about a bunch of these things they don't even need them to get through because a couple people will just pay them and then they'll just make money off of the cowards that just you know fold under it and so or the people it, who don't even know that their their media isn't being um spread like mm -hmm. they don't even notify you that they're claiming you're violating the law a federal law and they don't even bother to send you a letter or ask you well i remember one youtuber noticed because his um his uh his um traffic was going down on certain topics and the thing was he was playing like certain things on and he found out that someone had claimed it and they weren't doing anything or they wouldn't weren't pushing that content because it was related to that content and he had to figure out that way and it's just like oh great so yeah, and if I'm your videos are monetized they'll demonetize it immediately as soon as the mm -hmm. claim comes out and then after you've lost all the fanfare and the trending and you're at the bottom of the queue for the recommendations list because your video is a week old then or a month old i should say because it literally took them over a month yeah then oh yeah okay your video's back up but you're not even going to get a third of the views you would have got if it was out like when no. i published my whole album i put them all out at the same time for them to be down for a year like 
nobody nobody gets fanfare for a year later from an album that comes out yeah like, unless you can like somehow be like look it's new again yeah and it's then release you're... day that's the important time right release the launch day S- especially if you're like a um like our channel doesn't really no our channel uh, have that problem because like you can go back and find ones that you want to watch like we didn't really we haven't really changed much in a year but like someone who like um, we're publishing them for free anyways online like there's a couple like news websites and if you're not a big news like if you're one of the you know brave up and coming ones challenging like the established news and trying to make your own news thing like you have to rely on that day views and if you say the word china wrong or if you say something like uh the coronavirus came from uh you know from uh china and not anywhere else in the world you can get demonetized and you know if that's the truth then they're demonetizing you for the truth but like that's also that day's views and likes and algorithm and like you just said that you that you're missing out on and that's your livelihood because you're mm-hmm. trying to be a news and person. timing and is important in the news you can't just report i mean i mean if you write a really thoughtful blog or whatever yeah you can do stuff a week or two later and it's still relevant yeah but like if you're a news reporter the sooner you get it out the, the more valuable your your think your product is mm-hmm. and that's what you're doing you're creating a product when when you're a newsie <laughs> right so like something that's authentic and i find these tokens to be i abs with a passion I, I, like I, I i've known people who are like they'll just make tokens and like they're not selling them for this and for anyone who doesn't know it's just like digital assets so like a digital record essentially that they're selling for like 800 bucks it's a unique it's, id that's just a hash right literally do that with bitcoin or something just by having a bitcoin and putting a note on that hash record and never touching the bitcoin again like yeah. that fraction the one cent worth of bitcoin you could attach a bitcoin hash to any product you want and it's on the blockchain and it's time and date stamped like that's right. proof enough and then well, like, Ethereum, south you can park make a smart a, contract south park did a good episode about it recently mm-hmm. but yeah it was like someone was going around convincing people to buy nfts and like look i've got a monkey I've, i don't have any savings anymore but i have a monkey and but it's, it's like, insane jp morgan trace says that the metaverse's nft real estate market is worth a trillion dollars like jp morgan chase they're advising the government's finances like that is so insane like how how are the biggest banks like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and Wells Fargo and Bank of America and like the government's considering setting up cryptocurrency tokens now or whatever they want to do with their financial that's another episode yeah but but like the fact that these people are claiming there's value in an NFT is so proofly absurd like it makes sense from a I don't want to say boomer but like someone who's like if you're an analyst and you're saying okay and like this is probably the logic here we didn't see the digital age coming and a lot of people lost out so the future is going to be even more digital which means it's going to be more online which it's going to be like everything's going to be facebook but that's going to be the real world so we have to get in on that so anyone who gets in on that is going to be rich so you don't want to miss it so they're going to say we need to invest in this but these people are professional value seekers they have to be the first people to notice that there's no value in this thing right that's like saying because a dog sniffs asses that it makes sense to sniff asses no that's just what a dog does what was it nike (laughs) got nike got uh a like couple billion dollar contract to make digital shoes in the metaverse and they're selling nfts unlike original shoe designs that are just digital 
And it's like, well, it's authentically yours. It's like, well, no, I have a shirt. It's authentically mine. It's because it's literally a thing that I have. But and did it in games too, like Ubisoft or somebody, I think it was Ubisoft. They're selling helmets with like a hash mark on the back of the helmet to prove that you own it and you bought it from, from the Ubi store or something like that. Right. None of the, none of them, no, it's no just, gamer said they wanted this. None of them. It's like consumerism just moved online. Yeah. And after this though, after the backlash from the gamers who buy and supported Ubisoft or whatever, after they released this. Uh, and like voice their dissent. Ubisoft then came back and said, no, you just don't understand. You want this. Like just yeah. completely out of their minds. They yeah, just was, make, make it up. Was it Activision too? Or like, oh, you it guys don't Activision. understand. Like people actually like doing microtransactions. It's like, yeah. I do them all the time. It's like, yeah, well you have billions of dollars. So yeah, that's what EA said too. They're like, oh, kids Maybe love gambling. EA. With their parents' oh, yeah. credit cards, <laughs> like, why yeah. would we deny them joy if we could give children credit gambling and like? But like, is this authentically a thing that's yours? So you have a digital as asset. So a digital just meaning like it's code that has been secured to be un like Control C, Control V. You know, you can't just copy it and send it out to people. Even though I could just press this one, this print screen button on my thing and. It'll take a screenshot and send it to the buffer and then it's mine. <laughs> but the whole idea of NFTs and monetizing property is entirely based on the premise of authenticity. Like the mm -hmm. entire thing, the only reason there's any value or people are putting any money into it is because they believe in the authenticity of the non-fungible token, the NFT. All right. Like, so that's sort of why I wanted to bring up that in this authenticity. No, it's good to get into because it's an example of you have this thing that is supposed to be unique. And like, I guess that's a word we probably should have used earlier in this conversation. Yeah. Kind of like how I didn't use the word forgiveness, uh, didn't use the word confession in the forgiveness episode. How did I do that? Um, if you want, you can go back and look. I didn't. That's been boiling and, over in him for months, by the way. He finally got it out. <laughs> but I, I realized it like after I did it, but. We strive hard here on Frivolous Gravitas to set the record straight. <laughs> <laughs> there's a record but there you have this thing that has uniqueness to it Bent. and like i guess it's unique but there's an abstractive element to the digital sphere that makes it a bit hazy and i guess the thing that we're not getting about it or that we find absurd about it is that the value for it it, it kind of it sounds like a bubble to us. It sounds like this is valuable because it's authentic. And we look at it and be like, I guess it's authentic, but we don't really, I don't think either of us, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any of us see the connection between its authenticity and its value. So like we see the fact that, yeah, I guess this is authentically unique, but so what? <laughs> so, well, because things have value when people want them so like milk has value because people drink milk but i see a picture on the line like i have pictures for every one of my icons is a picture and and like i guess i could make my own but that doesn't mean it's valuable i could draw my own icons and make icons and i could sell them for a couple cents a piece that makes sense i'm providing a service it makes sense but, literally <laughs> hey if you sell them for a couple cents a piece but i just I'm not seeing the connection between its authenticity and the value. Now I'm not, I'm not 
authenticity to me doesn't always mean value. And so I, don't think it ever does. I think the value is actually inflated by uh, like my, I no, it's, okay. Conspiracy want hat. It, it's valuable. I'm going to put my conspiracy hat on. This is going to sound conspiratorial. I'm not going to go in like, you know, turn on the freaking frogs gay. No, I'm, <laughs> but the, uh, oh man. I think Alex Jones yeah. actually said that, right? Yo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should get That's Alex Jones on just to have Alex Jones on. Just be like, dude, just talk. It's going to be hilarious. I need earmuffs for that guy. He talks so loud. That's what they, yeah. But anyway. Anyway. The. Loudly. So conspiracy hat. Facebook's got a lot of money and they're trying to remain relevant because people are dropping off of Facebook. So what do you do when your product's becoming relevant? You innovate. Like Nervous breakdown first and innovate. You then innovate. It's like, ah, oh, we're running out of money. What do we do? Then you innovate. So they innovate in a logical direction, actually. And so they make the metaverse. And the metaverse, for those who are uninitiated, is a digital world that you can just live in. It's like a video game where you can just interact with people. You can have your own private space. You can deck out certain things. If you've if you played a lot of like Second Life or if you've played uh, any MMORPGs, um, it's kind of like that, but you have your own room kind of stuff and you can make your own stuff. You're not just relying on game world assets uh, to populate your inventory. You can have your own unique individual stuff, which is neat. And you do kind of have to pay for that because it is technically a thing because of its uniqueness. It does make it, here's where that comes in. Oh, PlayStation Home already has this for like... Right. No, this is, this is not an old technology. This is not a new technology. Now, because it's something that you have that doesn't want, you're paying for that. But it's $800 seems a bit much. Now, well, my it's more thought, than that. You need a $1,000 GPU, a $500 headset. Like No, I mean just for the token itself. Like some at Christmas, uh, uh, my, my wife's cousin just showed me some of these NFTs that his uh, friend was making. And they were just like ugly pieces of like art that like... I could probably make on a 3D modeler. Yeah, he's just selling, and he's like, are, and I'm like buying real estate in there. Like, and I'm just insane. like, what is going on? And because there's, it seems like they're manufacturing a gold rush. And mm, like, that's a really good way of putting it. And so, this is they see this as where you know humanity humanity is going to live online in the future, and that's where my disconnect is, because as far as much as we can live online. The real world is where the wires get made. The real world is where the computers get made that make this. You're not. Well, it's we can where make the it. sun actually shines. Like you can touch right. the sun. Right. And so it's always like you go, like if you've got Steam, you've got a Steam profile, right? Like we all. I closed my Steam. I got so mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sorry. you can make you can put things on Steam. That's why I haven't seen you on Steam in a while. Yeah, I got but, so mad at them. I just shut it down. But um. You can like make backgrounds and you can like get achievements and you can buy little literal nfts and you've been able to do this for like 10 years on steam mm -hmm. to like populate your thing and make it look pretty now if you have a bunch of friends on there and your friend group is on there and you're all like hey look i got this twinkly thing i spent 30 cents on it everything on the steam library is like under two bucks now there's some like more expensive stuff but like i've they give you on steam these nfts that are yours so i have a bunch of those like cards that they give you when you play a video game and what i was doing is i was just selling them on the steam marketplace for like for a credit. dime and then you a buy dime free at games, most right yeah i got like i got a couple free games out of it and see that's it a great neat. thing yeah it was 
but it was relation like I would like well I want more money well obviously everyone wants more money in every transaction they're doing I want to pay yeah, less but it could for be things. nothing and it's right. isolated to just this stupid little not stupid right. but like a little so, community it's not your whole life it's just the game community or so whatever. I don't really and like I feel like they're leveraging while they're doing this artificial gold rush they're leveraging people's um innate ability to want to express themselves uniquely and this is kind of something we all do i want to you know you see yourself in the mirror in the morning it's like i want to do this this is kind of more me i'm going to be a little weirder but like you want to get the thing and this is kind of a natural thing that we do you want to get thing you what compels me to write and stuff too like i think everybody has it in different ways and when you're playing a game, it's just that, that, that inclination to get the achievement. Why do you want the achievement? When you think about it for half a second, you're just like, it doesn't matter. It, like there's, it, there's nothing about it that matters. So you yeah. want all the achievements. You want to get the super achievement. And- yeah. And it doesn't, and then you step back and you're like, wait, I don't care. Um, <laughs> because I knew, I remember playing Fallout 3 and then they added achievements to the game. And I was just, I remember being annoyed because it made it about, they added that aspect of my biology that forces me to just get thing um and when the game was about just exploring and letting the world happen around you which is why follow was a really great game and it changed the nature of the game and i remember being annoyed by it and so the nft is a thing you have to get the thing and we do this in real life all the time people won't respect me unless i have that special kind of nike shoes people i need to wear the nicest clothes i need to have We're this hunters kind of car. and gatherers that's like our thing it's in our biology to like yeah collect and chase achieve. right <laughs> yeah you come back be like look at the size of this fish yeah i should I get women this. now like, and all we the women are with, like that's a big fish <laughs> we do it with deer and they're like 24 point bucks or whatever we pick up like yeah but like part of our human nature they're to, exploiting that they being know able that to we go, all do that uh, the 24 point buck is interesting because going into the wild and being able to use your rifle enough to properly um, kill a 24 point buck that you have to like, and not just like sitting there waiting for it and being like, bang, like actually like stock hunting that thing. That's impressive. I'm impressed by that. If someone can do that and like bring that thing back because a 24 point buck is heavy. Yeah, <laughs> like 600 pounds or something, right? Yeah. And then like, what else do you get with a 24 pound buck? You get trophy neat it's on the wall i did that that's something i actually physically did and the experience though of learning how to provide food for yourself if you oh, were out well, in the wild and yeah everything. like and it, that's it the other thing i was gonna say you get more to it than that that the the trophy is a byproduct but it's a reminder tr- of all the lessons you learned getting it so right. like that part i get but selling somebody else's 24 point buck that to me makes no sense right you could just buy a 24 point buck and then be like oh i've got it and we see a lot of people like that's this what you i know, mean people who buy like it that doesn't the, make any sense to me the, the not beautiful ones in our society lesson. who are like all about external thing that that aspect of authenticity where it's just like and i think this is a good way to bring it around and end is that we have brought this thing you can get the trophy but it's more authentic if you get the trophy yourself because you can say you've got the trophy but the trophy is not the thing the trophy is the representative of the ability that you have to do it so if you have the trophy without earning the trophy you are not authentically that person that you're claiming to be you're the person that's able you are not the person that's able to earn the trophy you're the person who's able to 
buy the trophy. And there's a massive difference. And I think that is why it's worth talking about authenticity to see where those lines are um, with like regard that. to who you are. Oh, sorry. No, go on. I was just I <laughs> three words left. <laughs> they, they do this a lot in hip hop too, and it drives me absolutely mental every time I hear it. <clears throat> sorry, my voice is still croggy if you've been listening to our last few episodes. Um, they'll say in their rap songs over and over again how real and true they are, what the raps are about, and all this kind of BS. And they say it because they're so insecure that people won't believe them because they're lying. They know they're lying. When you're telling the truth, you don't constantly remind people, no, no, seriously, for real, for real, it's true, honestly, Hmm. for real. Like, that's BS. A news source that you can trust. (laughs) (laughs) Why do they need to tell me that I can trust them? (laughs) Exactly. And it's it's the same with people who tell you that they can trust you. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Well, it's like I say to my wife sometimes when I'm joking around, I'll just be like, she'll be like, I'll be like, oh, okay, no close your eyes. Oh, oh, shit. Sorry. I'll be like, hey, close your eyes. And she'll be like, no, I'm not doing that. And, she, and I'll be like, trust me, because it's a joke. Like, I'm being inauthentic here, and I'm pl- using that as, like, a humorous device. But it, it also goes towards people who claim to be authorities. So when you when you rely and trust the authority of somebody else's knowledge, experience, or expertise, and they have mm-hmm. to constantly remind you how much they know or how smart they are or mm-hmm. how well-read they are or whatever, if anybody tells you that you should follow their opinion because they know so much, like, well, we're different. We're saying this is our opinions. You should no, think I for know. yourself. We're, we're advocating for people to be self-taught and fact-check. But when when there's like a religious leader who says, you don't have to read it for yourself, I'm telling you what it means, or I'm telling you the interpretation. Or if a teacher reads Plato and says, this is what Plato means, or Aristotle means, you have to read it for yourself, or don't trust it. Because nobody who's actually honest or smart reminds you of it. It it just radiates from them. They can't hide it. Smart people can't hide the brilliance, and they try to, because they're at a disadvantage when people know they're smart. Like it's to a smart person's advantage to hide it, but it it seeps out oh, from modesty. Modesty it. is modesty is a virtue that we can go into one day. But like <laughs> I have these books behind me, and I can just buy books. I was poor. You can put a so, green screen up and just have a picture of books, like they do on yeah. The- and but the <laughs> thing is, is that I've like I'm not going to be like, look how many books I've got. And I've said that before. It's like I've got these books, but I've read them. And I and if I like, you can call me out on it at any time. Like you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't actually read that. And then I, you can be like, prove you've read that. And I can actually go in because I actually have the books, which makes it a lot easier. I don't have to go like chapters or something. <laughs> and uh, I can actually display it. I don't want to just make displays of my knowledge. Though. Oh man, what is this though? Um, but. Um, I can back it up. And that's one of the things like you can say whatever you want, as long as you can back it up. And we know when someone's lying to us, because it's just like, it, it, they contradict themselves or just, you know, you just I don't guess. think most people do. I think most people, no, when people like Trump say, I'm smart, trust me, I'm smart. I know what I'm talking about. Like I'm rich. I'm a successful businessman. When people say it <laughs> over and over and over again, yeah. most people just believe it. And Biden's what I'm trying I don't to have say dementia. in this authenticity episode <laughs> is if you're one of those people who just who takes the first impulse to believe what people tell you about themselves please stop doing that mm-hmm. like you're ruining the world <laughs> please stop <laughs> like your yeah. vote does matter 
And Meek. when and it happens in Canada too with Trudeau and you know Jacques yeah. Chirac in France, <laughs> La France. No, Emmanuel Macron. Sorry. Not yeah, sure. I'm not too happy with Trudeau right now. He's he's pretty much the Canadian epitome of do one thing and or say one thing and do another yeah. right now. But it's and the world's making fun of us for it. <laughs> it's it's exploiting a flaw in human nature though. When you hear something often enough, you believe it and you believe that you came up with the idea yourself. This is so common in psychology. They have a name for it. I'm just not a psychologist. I don't know the name for it. Oh, but like this is what Bolsonaro's done in in um in, what do you call it? Brazil there and um What's that nut jobs in the Philippines? Oh, so, uh, <laughs> Duarte? yeah. Yeah, Duarte. Duarte. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Abenomics, the whole economic system. Trust me, trust me. I know what I'm talking about. And trust like, me. All we have to do is shoot the drug dealers. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, like oh, smart people don't remind you they're smart. Drug dealers. <laughs> it's worse. He was telling people to shoot the He's like, you guys can just shoot. If you suspect somebody of being a drug dealer, just shoot them and I won't prosecute you for murder. Yeah. Like, that's really dangerous <laughs> because you could shoot anybody and just say, Hey, I saw them selling drugs. Like yeah, that just like, sanctions um, murder. Witch hunts. It was kind of like witch hunts. It's just like, she's a witch. Why? Cause I want yeah. her land. I, I saw her cast a spell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And but then like, they'd it's be all like, the world and we're all susceptible to it. But once you're aware of it, you don't, you, you, you're much less susceptible to it. You right. go from a 90% vulnerability to a 10% vulnerability. Well, and I'd like to say that the answer to it is just, just think about what you're doing, but it's more than that. You have to like, is the thing in front of you as it appears? Mm -hmm. And but like, your red flag is somebody telling you they're smart or if they tell you they're right, or if they say, trust me, that's your yeah. red flag. Even if you and don't you can, know anything like, else, if you hear those words, stop. Well, and we need to do this with objects too, because you know, a lot of people just buy stuff. So, and they're like, because stuff will advertise itself to people like ad nauseum being like, this is the best thing ever. No, it's not like in everything, like Joe's pizza, how many, like the best Edmonton pizza is there? I mean, like <laughs> Ottawa was bad one. for like, when I was in Ottawa, it was like shawarma places and they all claim to be the best shawarma. Now the problem with shawarma is it comes in two varieties. It comes in the best damn shawarma you've ever had or, um, you should probably go to the hospital. <laughs> and so, yeah, but the, you have to like act because you're the one who's buying the stuff. You're the ones who's getting the stuff and you need to know, and we do this every day. Like, is this product going to fall apart on me or, and just looks good? Or is it actually going to last me a long time? And so I don't know you need to test drive the car before you buy it to learn it. You need to learn about cars and awareness of your surroundings can let you know as to the authenticity of all the claims that are happening around you. Just and a if bit you don't know, just research. admit you don't know. Just stop trusting stuff that you're not sure of. Like yeah, it's that like, simple too. You don't have we to don't know everything. We don't trust car dealerships because of this. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like become we like know a, they're a trying to screw us. <laughs> so apply that to the rest of your life. Like you don't need to be a jerk to everybody, but just, you know, be like, eh, I'll make my decision. Or I'll be the judge of that is a good thing to say. And yeah. then it's the same thing with news. It's like, like one, like in Winnipeg, one thing that was happening, I remember when I was living there, there would be like something on the news and I'd be like, wait, I live close to downtown. I just walk out and go there when there was like a Greta Thunberg rally here. Everyone's like, can you believe this glorious, brave, you know, girls coming to speak in our town? And I'm like, yeah, nuts to what you think. I'm going to go and see it for myself. Yeah, I'd take a free trip around the world to do a public speaking engagement. Like, yeah. <laughs> of course she would. <laughs> yeah. If you're willing like, to listen, anybody with a mouthpiece would. 
Yeah. So like you go and look for yourself and that's kind of like one thing you can do as an individual is go and look for yourself. So again, don't take my word for it. as LeBron yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Thanks so, for listening. You've been listening to frivolous gravitas. Yeah. Um, Some if, housekeeping news. We might have a website soon where you can download our episodes and then listen to them in your free time without having to stream through YouTube or whatever. Cause you know, YouTube forces you to keep it open and the battery life on your phone gets drained from video that you don't need to watch. If you want to pay us 200 bucks, we could do an episode just for you and have it a non-functional <laughs> gra- frivolous. No, we don't take money. <laughs> joking. <laughs> He's joking. Uh, well, you don't take money. I definitely take money, but <laughs> bye guys. Uh, uh, yeah. See you guys. Have a, have a good week. Peace out.